Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. going live on Facebook as we speak and uh, I've been away Jackie's here already nice to see you Jackie have you missed me um it's been two weeks since I've uh, done this I've been away for two weeks because I've been ill yes I've had Covid <clears throat> terrible really knocked me back terrible um terrible time and uh, so it's very good to be back it's the first one back um so I apologize, apologize for missing two weeks, and I know that uh, I know that I've been sorely missed, <laughs> and you haven't got your um, fix of questions answered. But don't worry, because it's all going to be remedied right here, right now. Because I am back, uh, I'm on my feet, I'm dressed, uh, you know. So it's all a bonus, uh, significantly better than I was before. Uh, hi, Gemma. On fa- look at that. Gemma's on Facebook. Hi, Gemma, and uh, lots of people here on Instagram. Hello, everybody. I'm waving at you all, and you're waving at me. Nice to be waved at. And, um, yeah, so uh, back. Hi, Khan. It's lovely to be back. And um, if you have any questions, please feel free to to, uh, fire away. Be very happy to field and answer any questions you might have. And I've got some questions obviously backed up a bit um yeah thanks Gemma thank you for that um I've got some questions and I will um answer questions as as and when they come so um uh I'm going to fire off with that one this one if it's okay uh which says why are you not offering combination procedures at the moment combination procedures meaning your classic mummy makeover which is a breast and a tummy procedure and um, broadly speaking yes we are not offering those at the moment i say broadly speaking because there are different um it's sort of on a case-by-case basis because a a smaller procedure so a smaller tummy tuck i mean some people are bigger tummy tucks than others and some um uh, breast procedures like for instance breast implants would be a quicker procedure than a breast reduction for instance so a sort of smaller tummy tuck maybe a mini tummy tuck and breast implants would probably be okay but you know a larger tummy tuck with liposuction maybe with a lift with implants or a reduction or something would not be okay so it is um, sort of a case-by-case basis, but in general terms, I would say that we're not doing um, combination procedures, and there's two reasons for that. And the first reason for that is because there is some evidence, it's not strong evidence, but there is some evidence that if you have a longer procedure, then if you then went on to get COVID, you're going to get it worse than if you had sorry let me start again (laughs) if you have surgery uh, and then develop covid you're going to get a worse outcome from your covid than if you hadn't had surgery and 
the evidence suggests that the longer the procedure, the worse that is. It seems to be in longer operations in people who are more ill, who are going to be more badly affected by it. So we try and avoid doing longer procedures in people who are more ill, basically, um, because there's some evidence to say that if you then went on to develop COVID, you would get a worse result from your COVID. So that's reason number one. Um, reason number two is that we are very aware and very anxious about the NHS and the uh, capacity of the NHS and the workload of the NHS and we do not want to put any workload on the NHS so we are trying to avoid any operation that might even have the vaguest hint of needing any input from the NHS. It's very rare to need any NHS input from any procedures and I would say I've never had to um, I've never had to use it, except having said that, I did have one person having said that who was admitted to the NHS after surgery. Um, she'd had a circumference, a tummy tuck, and we could have treated her in the private sector, but she went to the NHS, and then there was all these MRSA swabs that had to be done before we transferred her back to the private, and she never got transferred back in the end. She ended up getting discharged from the NHS. But anyway, um, point is, you don't want to use the NHS. Um, <laughs> the point of the, what I'm trying to say is, so you don't want to do bigger operations which have perhaps more risk of someone, you know, requiring NHS input. Um, so those are the two reasons that we're trying to avoid doing bigger operations. And I know there's a lot of people out there who want mummy makeovers and these joint procedures. And it just, I'm just saying at the moment, we either have to stage it uh, or if you really want it in one go, and I totally understand it, there's a lot to be said for having it in one go, then you uh, can um, wait. And maybe in time, as the NHS pressures get, uh, you know, uh, relieved a bit, then we may be able to do bigger operations. So, yeah, those are your options, really. But uh, the moment we're not doing, um, we're not doing big operations at the moment, trying to avoid that if we can. Uh, glad to hear you feeling better. Thank you, Jackie. I am feeling a million times better. When you have a breast reduction, this is on Instagram, by the way. It's my Instagram screen over here, my Facebook screen here. Um, when you have a breast reduction, can you have implants for shape? Yes, you can, Nikki Ald. Yes, you can. Um, I, I've got to be honest with you, Nikki. I don't like doing that because that would mean, obviously, implants make your breast bigger. So if you're having a breast reduction and you want implants with shape, it's a totally reasonable question, by the way, because some people want more fullness in the upper part, which is what you get with implants. You can't really get that with your natural tissue. So what they would do is over-reduce and then put an, an implant in to give some volume and shape. So you can do that, Nikki. The concept doesn't sit nicely with me that you're actually removing healthy breast tissue and replacing with implant. I think implants are really good if you want your breast to be bigger. And that's where they really excel. But if you want your breast to be smaller, then I think a reduction's a way to go. And I would say to you, it gives you a more natural shape. It does lift your breast having a reduction. It does give you a, a, a better shape to your breast. But I totally accept what you're where you're coming from because some people say how. Hey, you know, and this is why we need to show you photos in the clinic, because some people say, hold on a minute, I actually prefer a more full look than that. That looks a bit droopy. I always say, look, that's out of a bra, remember, in a bra. You know? But yes, I take your point. It doesn't have that sustained fullness up there, which you, you can only really get with implants. But I wouldn't, I personally don't do that technique where you would re reduce the breast and then put implants in. Because uh, I don't, I don't, um, don't like the, don't like the, the concept of it, but we could discuss it. It's your body at the end of the day. We could discuss it, but I've got to disclaim my my point. It's not a procedure that I, have I ever done it? 
I don't think I've ever done it to be honest. I've done lots of lifts and implants, lots of reductions, but I don't think I've ever done sort of over reduction and then implant for shape. So perhaps if that's your thing, perhaps I'm not your man. Maybe on someone who's who's done a few cases and who embraces the technique. Um, another one on Instagram, Facebook is good, isn't it? Um, uh, Blake, Blake's image consulting. Hey, I'm wanting to book ASP. How many areas can you have lipo at once? I'm looking for full body. Um, to be honest with you, Blake's image consultancy, I always worry about people say, how much lipo can you have in one go? Lipo is not really something to say, oh, I won the lottery, I'm going to do loads of lipo. Lipo is for when you've got localized areas of fat that don't respond to weight loss. I hate to say it, but weight loss is the way to lose weight, not lipo. Lipo is for areas that are resistant to weight loss. And there's certain areas which respond well to lipo. The hips, the thighs, the outer thighs, not so much the inner thighs, the outer thighs, the hips, the flanks, these areas here underneath the arms, the male chest. So there are certain areas that respond well to liposuction. And so those areas can be done. Um, and again, it depends on surgeons. And some people are bigger liposuction. People are more liposuction, huge volumes, and huge old body. And that's not me. You know, that's not my... Uh, forte. So maybe again, it may be not doing very well with drumming up business here, but maybe that's I'm not your surgeon if you want sort of full body uh, liposuction. That's not my um, my thing. I'm more of a person who will look at a patient and say, right, where's the resistant areas that you can't shift with weight loss? And then let's look at addressing those rather than trying to contour the whole body. You know, liposuction is a surgical procedure. There are risks over under correction. Um, you're much better off doing it with weight loss first and then looking at surgery for bits that aren't uh, responding well to to the weight loss and sometimes people have um, f full areas that don't respond to to that so that's where again i am uh, nikki i've lost shape from children yeah a lot of people have lost shape and and the shape is restored with uh, with a reduction so you do get shape back but not quite as much fullness in the upper pole as you would with a with implants so it's a question of having a look at some photos and seeing if you're happy with the sort of results you can get with implants I've lost weight so my boobs aren't as perky. I think I need uplift and implant for fullness at the top, but I don't want anchor scar. Okay. Um, first thing I say to you, Toby, no one wants um, anchor scar. You know, no one wants all the scarring on their chest. But if you want an uplift, you need to remove skin. And if you're going to remove skin, you're going to get scarring. And that means always scar around the areola usually scar going straight down which would be your lollipop or your circumvertical sometimes scar in the fold which is your full anchor um, so it might be possible to avoid the horizontal scar and just go for a circumvertical or a lollipop um, scar sometimes you get a little doggy a little fold at the bottom so I often give a sh short tea uh, a little tea in the in the fold there but um, I totally understand that you don't want the scarring. And as I say, no one wants it. If you say to someone, do you want it or not? They'd always say no. Thank you very much. But it does. The more you're scarring, the more you tighten the skin. The other thing, depending on how much of a droop you've got, and you could just have no scarring at all and just have implants. Obviously, there is a scar. It's not pinned in the fold. Um, <clears throat> but the shape wouldn't be as good. It's a balance, Toby. Often it's a balance. The more scarring, the better shape, but the more scarring. So you might say, I don't want scarring. OK, well, that's fine. Maybe the shape's not going to be quite so good. That might be a, 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 a compromise you're happy to accept because no one, if we could get the same amount of result with less scarring, we do that for everybody. We wouldn't give more scarring to some people. We give the less scarring to everybody. But sometimes you need it. Um, I didn't want it for weight loss. I had a BBL done in Turkey. I know. 
but too much was added to the hips and thighs. Um, right. Oh, so you've had you've had surgery, you've had too much, and you want it lipo now. Well, that's fine. Yeah, hips and thighs is a reasonable um, is a reasonable area to uh, address with lipo. Um, oh my God! What, 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 how do I how do I decide what I do between Instagram and Facebook? Decisions. I need a manager. I need a. I think I'm. I think I'm ready. I think I'm at the stage where I now need a social media manager. I can't possibly be expected to cope with this on my own. I'm going to flick over to Facebook now. I can see Natty. You got your. You got your question there, and I can also see someone's asked a question on Instagram there. So, um, Neil, hi Donna, here. Oh, hi Donna here. Sorry. Will having vaccine make any difference? No, um, Donna. Uh, I had the vaccine. Uh, my dad had the vaccine, so um, it didn't. didn't uh, I, I mean, in in general terms, they, they 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 you know the hope is that the vaccine will make if you do get the disease, it will be less. And uh, you know, maybe I got it less badly because of the vaccine. It's, but in terms of surgery, it won't make any difference. It won't make us more likely to do surgery on you if you had the vaccine. We will still do a test on you if you've had the vaccine. We'll we test everybody before surgery, basically. So whether or not you've had the vaccine will not uh, give you any sort of benefit or any sort of negative if you haven't had it. You know, it's um, yeah. So no, won't make a difference. Lucy, first time viewer here. Hey everyone, Lucy, ring the bell. Have we got a bell? I need a manager. I need a bell. Uh, okay. Uh, nice to see you, view, uh, Lucy. What is the recovery time for implant replacement, implant replacement without play? The girls are 21 this year and need some attention. Is Cap C? Cap C. Let's go. More common on a second surgery. Have no issues with these so far. Yes, Lucy. And I've got to be honest with you, Lucy. 21 years. Go, Lucy. That's very good. 21 years is a long time. Uh, for your implants, so that's brilliant. But unfortunately, CAPS-C or capsular contracture is at a, a, a more is going to happen more quickly second time around because every time we do surgery, we introduce more scar tissue. So I always say minimise the amount of surgery you have to your breasts. So you waited twenty years, which is brilliant, twenty-one years. Um, so that is brilliant. So yes, your risk of capsular contracture is higher second time around. Um, and the answer for about the recovery time for implant replacement with uplift. Well, um, we said a minute ago with the uplift, uplift you give scars, etc. So there are scars associated with that. Those, those scars have to heal. So you'll be in a dressing for a week. Uh, you'll be in hospital overnight. Let's bring it right back. You'll be in hospital overnight, probably. If you have it done in the morning, you might be able to go home same day, but you know, uh, maybe same day or overnight, put it like that. Um, then you go home and then uh, you have all these tapes on. You come back after a week, take all those tapes off. It looks weird. Shape always looks weird after a lift uh, with implants. So, um, and that week you're not going to feel like doing much. Second week you'll be feeling better. You'll be pottering around the house and stuff like that. But you will probably won't be doing much second week. After two weeks you can do the gym if you want to go with lower body, stepper, taking it easy and stuff. And then um, driving maybe two weeks, two to three, maybe two weeks you'd be all right for driving. So works usually after two weeks, as long as you're not doing anything too heavy. And it's four to six weeks before you do anything too heavy. And even then you're just starting four to six weeks before you can start do upper body stuff. So if you're a gym sort of person, I would say, look, take it easy. Don't go crazy after four weeks. Just say, oh, that's it. I'm going to go crazy because it'll swell, it'll hurt, and it'll take ages for it to settle. So um, that's sort of ballpark, Lucy. I'm going to go over to uh, uh, Instagram, Natty. I've got my surgery with you in six weeks. Oh, go Natty. 
lift implants and mini tummy tuck how long post up until i can exercise again i exercise a fair bit at the moment weights and heat matty i do know you exercise I see, I, yes I've, I've seen you do exercise you're an exerciser aren't you um well you've got to be taking it easy natty i tell you because i don't want you going and doing overdoing it because you'll make it swell and you'll make the recovery longer so um uh lift implants and mini tummy tuck it's a big deal it's a big deal i'm going to say nothing nada niente nicht nil for three weeks um obviously walking and going out and about is good but i say stay away from that gym for three weeks after three weeks you can start gently doing no impact stuff so no running or uh, nothing too heavy with your upper body because that lifted implants is going to be uh, a bit uncomfortable exercise bike stuff like that you know the stepper or the what's it called cross trainer i believe um you know but without the arms just legs um and again you can start at about a month six weeks but just start don't go crazy and it's and i know it's going to be hard for you to hear that because i know you probably go quite regularly at the moment but it is going to knock you back and i've got to be honest with you whether i say this or not you are not going to feel like doing stuff for the first few weeks anyway so you just be prepared for that be prepared um what is the process of booking a consultation and time frame of having breast augmentation process is to give us a ring 0121-454-3680 or email us or message me on Instagram or Facebook or um, through the website or whatever. And the time frame for having a breast augmentation is probably a couple of months. I don't know, actually. I don't know why. I, I should know, shouldn't I? I'm going to say a couple of months, two or three months, maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it's too bad. Um, what should I do? I'll do Danny. May have already missed the discussion. I wondered when having a breast reduction, can you make the areola smaller? Didn't miss that, Danny. Definitely, absolutely integral part of a breast reduction is making the areola smaller. Absolutely um, normal part of a breast reduction that is, um, Danny, and it's like you don't have to pay or anything like that. You know, it's just, just, it's always done. But you can have a view if you've got a view of the diameter. Usually, it's around four centimeters we make a, an areola. But if you've got a view on it, you can um, certainly put your oar in. Could never guarantee it will be exactly the size that you want it to be. But you can always say I like it to be, you know, three and a half or four and a half, whatever. And say, okay, well, we'll use a, you know, we have different thing, nipple markers. But um, yeah, absolutely, it is a bottom line. It is an integral part. What's this? I've got a question. I missed the topic of this talk, but didn't want to miss anything. When was Styano established, and how big is? And how big is? Oh, I can't. Oh, what have I done? I can't read the rest of the question. And how big is? Hmm. Okay. Good. Thank you for the question. When was Styano established? um well um i crikey um well i started um around uh about 2007 i think as a consultant as a as a fully trained consultant uh, around 2007 i think i finished my training um and uh, that's when i I finished all my specialty training my you do um six years of specialty training and then before that five or six years of um general training um so 
I started in the private practice around uh, 2007. I uh, then worked in the private hospitals around the Midlands. So my job initially, I was in Cambridge as a, as a locum consultant, and then I got a permanent consultant job in um, Birmingham and worked in the private hospitals in the area, which I still do work at, to be honest with you. But then I opened my clinic in 2013. So I opened, I was working in the private hostels, like most people work in the private hostels, that's what they do. But I opened my own clinic in 2013. Who is part of your staff? So I now have um, others. So we have, um, you know, got clinic nurse and a receptionist, clinic manager, PA, um, IT guy who helps me. So these are the people who help me at the clinic. Uh, clinic clinical staff, well, there are three of us. There's um, Azam Faroa, who's a skin specialist, who does a lot of the moles and the local anaesthetic work. And um, Karam Khan, who does a lot of the more general stuff like the, um, we mainly do breast and body contouring. So there's three of us, three plastic surgeons there, and uh, yeah, that's the that's the uh, that's the, the score with that one. Um, and Natty, it'll be a killer not exercising. Yes, I know it will, but you've got to just accept it, take it on the chin. I know you can do this. Um, this is actually a question on Facebook, which is one of my questions, which is, can you do surgery on who and surgery? on someone who has underactive thyroid. Hi, Rebecca. Um, thank you, Drag. Nice to see you. Um, yes, you can, Rebecca. And I think, uh, lovely stuff. Look at that. Um, I think, um, Rebecca, th th this is one of my questions, and I think that's you. Uh, does it say that you've been turned down by someone before or by other, other surgeons, which is a bit of a worry? Um, uh, actually, actually, no, the question says, I have hyperthyroidism. Am I still able to have a breast augmentation surgery? I've been turned away by other surgeons. So maybe it isn't you who's asked that one. Anyway, so we've got both, we've got hyper and hypo. So um, Rebecca, you're asking about hypothyroidism, which is low thyroid. Um, and the answer is, yes, it's fine. Uh, it, it's fine for either hypo or hyper. They can both cause problems. So underactive thyroid, which is a hypothyroidism, yeah, it can make you tired, can make you lethargic, can make you put on weight. Um, so there can be issues around having surgery associated with the low thyroid. And I think uh, whether it's low or high, high can make you, uh, can give you palpitations um, and can give you other sort of symptoms. So, um, both can cause problems. And so what we would want to do with any sort of medical problem is to make sure you're pretty stable and um, control with your with your thyroid. So if you're hypothyroid, you know, if you're on thyroxine, if that level is pretty stable and you're, you're con well controlled, if your weight is well controlled, you know, if you're struggling with your weight and you're putting on weight, then it probably wouldn't be a good idea to do surgery. So I can see reasons why people might turn you down potentially if there are issues with weight or other things, but I can't see us certainly turning you down just because you're hypothyroid as long as it's well controlled and well managed and you haven't got any um, ongoing symptoms or concerns particularly in terms of uh, weight loss and it, and it can cause mental health problems in terms of depression and low mood uh, and things like that and so treatment can um, help with stabilize those sorts of symptoms so I think we probably want those symptoms as good as they can be before we would consider surgery but in itself I don't think uh, having a life a low thyroid would be an issue in itself Ada says good evening good evening Ada good to see you here tonight Samantha says what are your current waiting times for TT please I should know this stuff shouldn't I Samantha 
I've got no idea. I'm going to say a couple of months, two or three months. What's a couple? What are we now? February. Um, yeah, a couple of months. Yeah. March, April. April, May, sort of. Yeah. Sounds reasonable. But I'm not entirely sure. Nicola would really know about that. She's the clinic manager. She knows all about that sort of stuff. Lucy says, thank you. Thank you, Lucy. And well done on your 21-year-old implants. Um do I need to send, so I'm going to one of my preordained questions here. Do I need to send a photo before booking my S&T procedure, which is C and treat procedure, online? Um, you don't know. I mean, you can book the, um, we, we recently set it up so you can book a C and treat appointment online. So I'm trying to make things more accessible and, and, and better for patients because I know I, I personally probably like to book things online and so you know it suits me obviously you can phone up but if you don't want to phone up you can book these appointments and book directly into the clinic online um the only issue with that is that if uh, what you say for instance if it's a mole or or uh, if it's a you know tattoo or something we'll give you a guide price to say look the price is from this and so what we don't want to happen or what you might have to be aware of is that you might come and we'll say actually that's more because it's bigger than the original price um so we don't want you to be disappointed and if you are disappointed the see and treat clinics although they do have a deposit it's fully refundable so there's no problem we just give it back if you think hold on i'm not paying that well like, okay that's fine you don't have to, you know that's fine here's your deposit back and sorry to have wasted your time but it might be a waste of time if that happens so it might that's why i think for me and for us as a surgeon probably feel more comfortable if we've seen a photo of the of the lesion or the problem that you've got so we can be more comfortable to first of all say we can do it you know it might be some you know that's when you can do most things to be honest with you but you know just make sure you can do it it might be a big tattoo or something for instance and secondly to give you a more accurate quote on how much it was going to cost so that you can be a bit more prepared so i think it'd be better to send a photo but it's not essential because as i say you can book it online and and come along and um and we can talk to you about it there and then so it's not it's by no means essential um Yo, is someone screaming in background? Creepy. Yes, uh, they're watching a film next door. So yes, sorry about the uh, screaming in the background. Um, it's perfectly above board. It's all, it's just, you know, family stuff. I'm missing the beginning, missing the beginning of the film. I don't know what they're watching, but um, do you, that's dedication for you, yeah. Um, do you offer areola reduction under general anesthetic? Um, yes yes we would offer you know I, I i recommend it to be honest with you i mean areola reduction is perfectly reasonable to be doing um long time with sea augusta uh, is perfectly reasonable to be doing under a local anesthetic uh the problem with doing it under a general anesthetic is two problems first of all you have an anesthetist involved so there's an extra cost involved with it but the other problem is you have more of a hangover effect you have more sort of drugs in your body and things and you know i'd say it's better to have it under local if you can if you've got some real big problem um with an, a, a local anesthetic and you really want it under general that's absolutely fine you can have it other general but it would be more expensive and you would be a little bit bit, bit more great groggy afterwards and an area reduction is something that can perfectly reasonably done under a local anesthetic but yes if you want it under general you know that's no problem we can do we can do that we aim to please should i lose weight before an area reduction um i mean in general terms any sort of body contouring uh, uh surgery you should lose weight it's it, 
for two reasons. One, you're going to let, get less risk of uh, complications of scar, um, uh, wound healing problems, etc. Um, but also that you, you, your breasts and, and things can change shape if you if you were to lose weight. And so, um, so in general, the answer is yes, you should. But I don't, but areola reduction is not one of those ones where it's sort of really essential. It depends if you're very, very heavy and, and you want to lose a lot of weight, then the size of the areola might change dramatically if you lose weight and you, obviously your breast size and shape might change dramatically. But areola reduction is not one of those ones where it's sort of essential. You know, it's it's not going to change that much with a sort of modest weight loss. So I don't think it's what not one that I would sort of over egg too much if it's an areola reduction in terms of the weight. Oh, I missed one. Do you have any more before and after photos other than those on your website? Oh my God, I have got loads of before and after photos. And you know what? Sometimes you get into, well, not get into trouble, but you know, get wound up in knots when you show too many before and after photos. Um, so I have a slide deck that I show people in, in the clinic uh, of, of representative cases of tummy tucks with and without liposuction, breast implants, low profile, high profile, moderate profile, teardrop shape, round shape, you know, to try and give a representation of, of what can be achieved. And then I try and you know match that into you and your frame. But um, the answer is yes, there's lots of before and after photos. But as you probably found, if you went and searched the internet for photos, you can get a bit punch drunk with it all. And I think you do need guidance when looking at photos because you have to try and look at people who are similar frame to you. Uh, in terms of implants, you have to look at base width and things like that, not just volume. A lot of people just say, oh, those are 250, they look great. Yeah, but a 250 can be a, you know, if someone's wider frame than you, a 250 implant will be a lot flatter than a 250 on you if you're a lot narrower, and it would be a completely different shape. So that's why you have to look at profile, things like that. But yeah, the answer is we have got loads of before and after photos, although I do try not to get you to um, sort of punch drunk with it all. Toby, can you do crescent boob uplift for less scarring? Also, I don't want to have bigger boobs, just better shape and fullness at the top. Can all this be done with just uplift if we just uplift it is implanted needed? Um, Yes, so better shape can be done with just uplift, Toby, yes, without an, an implant. And in fact, if you don't want bigger boobs, I would say don't have implants. I would say just have an uplift. But as I said earlier, you have to be aware of the shape and it does settle. And the less scarring, the less of a, of a lift. And I've got to be honest with you, Toby, I think a crescent lift, which is basically a crescent taken from above the areola to lift the areola, is only really something that would be good to try and match the height of the areola if there was an asymmetry of height. It runs the risk of elongating the areola because you're asymmetrically taking some skin from above the areola, not so much from below. And in my hands, it doesn't give a significant lift. So a crescent uh, lift, I don't think gives a, a significant lift. Even a circum areola lift, which is basically a double crescent lift, it goes all the way around the areola, doesn't give a significant lift. In my hands, I start with a lift with a circum vertical. I think that's when you can get a really good lift when you add in that, that vertical scar down from the areola. Uh, but obviously it's more scarring. And um, that's the that's the trade-off. You want more fullness at the top? Well, yes, that's what a lift does. It gives you more fullness, but not quite as much fullness as implants. That's why you think... You, so this is why you need a discussion. You need to look at some photos and you need to see what can be achieved. And you see whether it gives enough fullness with just the lift. And if not, then yes, you can combine it with implants. But then you're in the realms of 
making the breast bigger. So then do you do a reduction, um, you know, volume and, and put the implants in, which, you know, is a thing, as I say. And if you do want that shape, then in it, implants do give more fullness, no question about it, than when you don't have implants. And the question is, will it be enough? And is it worth taking on the risks of implants? Because although I do a lot of implants, I always say to people, you know, there are risks associated with them. If you can avoid them, then do. There's a lot to be said for avoiding implants. If you want bigger breasts, it's hard to avoid them, you know, because that's the best way to get bigger breasts. But if it's just shape that's the problem, then you can do a lot to the shape with a lift alone without using implants. Is it enough? You need to have a discussion. That's the question. That's the big question. Um, do breasts grow? What's going on next door? After breast reduction? Um, no, no. As, as a rule, no. I mean, there is a very rare condition called gigantomastia where they do keep on growing and then you have to almost pretty much do a mastectomy on patients, but that's a very rare condition. Um, kept me. Um, so, um, no. But if you do things, they can grow. So the two things that you can do are having children and putting on weight. If you have children and put on weight, well, then yes, they can get bigger again but they would have got even bigger if you hadn't had the breast reduction. So it's not like they're coming back. It's just like they're getting bigger like they would have done if you hadn't had the breast reduction and put on weight or had children, they'd have got even bigger than they were, if that makes sense. So when you have a breast reduction, that tissue is removed forever, never comes back again. But if you put on weight or have children, they can get bigger again. So they can grow, but it's not the reduction coming back that's gone forever. It's just your body can, just like they can grow. If you don't have a breast reduction, they can grow. Um, photo, sorry about this Instagram. Couldn't get the photo on Instagram. We've got a photo here. Why is my scar not suitable uh, to, to excision? Could you please advise what other methods you should be looking at instead? So this patient has got a scar on their face. What's the best way of showing it? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, that's the best way. So this patient has got a scar on their face, just uh, for Instagram. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a sort of Y-shaped scar on, on her cheek. Um, and it's tricky. It's tricky to... The thing about surgical scar revision is that it creates more scar. So a surgeon can only create scar. So we can't get rid of scars. We can just change scars. And there's a couple of things we think about when we have a scar. Is it too stretched? Is it lumpy and the direction of the scar? Those are the sort of things. Now, this scar is flat. The color's good. It's not red. It's pretty much skin colored. It's a little bit stretched. Um, it's obviously a traumatic scar because it's a funny shape. So it's obviously not a surgically made scar. Um, the direction of the scar is not too bad. It's not in a disastrous line of uh, direction. It's hard to know how that could be improved with surgery. Um, it's always difficult with a photo, but in general terms, I would not be desperate, and I am not desperately positive about being able to improve that with surgery. It may be a little bit dented in, I'm not sure, maybe a little bit stretched, a little bit denting in, and if that's the case, it could be possible to revise it, but in my experience, when you revise ones, which are just a little bit dented in, it looks okay to start with, and then it stretches and dents in again, and you've paid money to have it look pretty similar to how it looked before, so I don't think that would be a significant improvement. Um, what other methods should be looking at? Um, as I say, it's a mature scar. I don't think it looks like it's sort of over a year old. So I'm not sure whether things like scar gel 
um, silicone would be useful at this point. Um, so I, um, people talk about micro needling for scars. Not sure how effective that is. Not something that I offer. I've got to be honest with you. I think probably my best advice is cosmetic camouflage makeup. Uh, I hate to say it, but um, I think makeup uh, would probably be your best option for that. Obviously, it's not a long-term permanent solution, but if you're going out, etc., then uh, then that would probably be your best bet and give you your best results. So, um, oh, Scar, here we go. It says Scar is 20 years old. There you go. So it's more than a year old. So. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I am on that. And I'm sorry that I can't be any help in a surgical way. But scar revision is hard. If you have breast reduction and uplift and then get pregnant, does this have a significant impact? Yes. So breast reduction and uplift, uh, an uplift is part of a breast reduction. So breast reduction and uplift is sort of like um, the same, same breast reduction because an uplift is an integral part of it. But if you get pregnant, yes, it can, it can have a significant effect and it's unpredictable. That's the problem. That's why we say to people, if they're thinking of having breast reduction, if they're thinking of having any sort of breast reshaping surgery, you know, breast lift or breast implants, if you want, if you haven't finished your family and you want to have children, it may have an effect. They may make them bigger. They can stay big. Sometimes they can get smaller. They can droop. You know, things can happen to the shape of your breast after having children. So it is something to consider and it, and it can have a significant impact. I'm not saying it will, I'm just saying it can. So if you've already had your breast reduction, then don't worry about it. Carry on and have children and do what you need to do and don't worry about it. And maybe you'll be fine. But if you're thinking of having breast reduction surgery and you're also thinking of having a family, the surgical advice is finish your family before having your breast reduction surgery because that will give you a more long-lasting result. So yeah, thanks for housing Capri. Good to see you. Hope you're all right. <clears throat> How does Mr. Stiano perform a neo-umbilicoplasty procedure? Neo-umbilicoplasty. My belly button was removed and replaced with a shallow dimple, so I would be particularly interested in hearing about his method of recreating a new one, which is deeper if possible. It is difficult. So neoumbilicoplasty basically means making a new umbilicus, making a new belly button. And it is possible to do uh, to do that, to make a new um, uh, belly button. Uh, it's difficult. And this is the problem. This patient is saying they, they, their belly button was removed. I don't know if they had a tummy tuck and they lost it or if it was removed routinely. Um, but it is difficult making something that dents in. And it's a little bit like nipple reconstruction, but the other way around. Nipple reconstruction, obviously, when patients have breast cancer, you remove the breast and the nipple and you have to make a, a, a bit of skin that sticks out. So a three-dimensional thing that sticks out. The scar tissue always wants to find the shortest route, which is a straight line. So nipple reconstructions often flatten off and umbilicoplasties will often flatten off too, become shallow. You want a nice big, you know, deep hole when you make a, a new umbilicus, but there's a risk that, it, that that scar tissue can contract and find the path of least resistance, which is a straight line. So it is always a risk. So the method of doing it is by sort of recruiting tissue from the sides and making a dent, making a well. Um, so it does give a little bit of scarring and uh, and then sort of anchoring it down to the bottom, to the to the rectus sheath, uh, to the bottom and hoping that it stays. Uh, you try and give it a little uh, U-shaped roof. So you try and make it into a nice shape, just like you do when you make a belly button for a, a following a tummy tuck. But it is a difficult problem. And unfortunately, I have to warn you that it can shallow, you know, you know, it can it can um, sort of flatten off, if you like, or 
or, or become more shallow over time as this car contracts. That is a risk. Does Mr. Slayano treat tubular breast syndrome? Yes, he does. Yes, so breast is probably my main thing. Uh, and uh, so I um, treat all sorts of breast deformity and uh, abnormalities and breast reconstruction. And uh, a tubular breast syndrome covers quite a wide spectrum. A lot of people use the term tubular breast for quite mild problems, which can be just uh, addressed with implants, um, but it can have more significant uh, issues with the shape of the breast. Often there's a loss of volume in the lower pole. So from the nipple down, there's often no breast volume in the, in the lower part of the breast. Uh, the nipple areola complex can be quite large and herniated and protruding. So you often have to do things around the nipple areola complex to score it, to release it, maybe to make it smaller. Um, and also to score the lower pole, to expand out the lower pole to give shape to the lower pole. So it's it's a bit more advanced than just sort of using implants. In some cases, as I say, some cases people use the term for someone who's just got slightly small breasts and they say, oh, it's a bit tubular or, or tuberous. Um, uh, and then other people have a much more significant uh, uh, um, issue with the shape of their breasts. So um, yes, it is something that, that, uh, that I will treat, but it is a challenge it can be a challenge for the more extreme end of the spectrum uh, and it often needs a combination of implants, lifts, work around the areola, scoring the lower pole and uh, sometimes it needs multiple procedures in, in extreme cases. Um, what's going on here Rachel? If I was redo a previous implant and uplift Will my scars become worse? Not necessarily, Rachel, no, because what we do is we excise your old scars. So when we do redo uh, a surgery, we would we would excise your old scars and give you new scars, and hopefully the new scars will be as good as your old scars. I don't know. If, you're, if your old scars are bad, then hopefully they'll be better. Uh, if the old scars are really good, they might not be quite as good. But, um, you know, you hope that they'll be at least as good, if not better, than your original scars. Uh, you would hope that they wouldn't be worse. I mean... Um, can't guarantee that but just by the fact that you're having different uh different scars doesn't necessarily mean it'll be worse because it'll be a, just a fresh scar the old scar will be removed i have gained two stone in the last five months i'm now on the path to losing it how will this now affect my thigh lift result in particular six months post-op am i going to have stretched skin and need another thigh lift good question good question and this is often the problem after surgery. you're welcome rachel um this is often the problem after surgery that, you know, a bit like um, uh, Mickey was saying that, you know, you do all this exercise and um, you get you get fit and you um, then have surgery and you have to stop. Uh, and then that that can make you put on weight. And that is an issue. Two stone. Mm, it's quite a lot, isn't it? Um, and that is a worry that you're going to put on weight and stretch the skin again. You know, having a thigh lift or having any sort of body contouring tightens that skin, but that skin can stretch again if you put on weight. So you have to be really careful. So I would say to you, let's to be positive and let's move forward from this point and just don't put any more weight on and try if you can to get down back down to your normal weight because now you're six months post-op, hopefully you'll be able to exercise, etc. Or they work with your surgeon on that one. But um and then hope that the skin recoils and hope that it's fine and hope that you won't need another thigh lift and be positive. Can't guarantee it, but, you know, it is always a worry after body contouring because you tell people, oh, you know, don't do too much exercise. And 
to risk of putting on weight. That's why you've got to try and keep it, get the balance right. What is overgranulation? So overgranulation, this is a patient of mine who has uh, had a breast uh, lift with implants and she's got a bit of a wound breakdown down at the T-junction, which is often the way um, with this sort of surgery because it's very tight down there. And sometimes the body heals too much and you get red lumpy lump, lumpy lump at, the, at that T-junction. And that's known as overgranulation. So granulation tissue is just healing red, healthy tissue. But if it granulates too much, you get it becomes raised and the skin can't go across and can't heal the wound because there's a mountain of granulation tissue in the way. Uh, so that's got overgranulation. I should have a photo really, shouldn't I? Um, and uh, you treat it by dampening down that granulation tissue. So often you use steroid cream or silver nitrate to try and dampen down that granulation so that, God, they're disrespectful, aren't they? They're sh can you hear them shouting, honestly? They know I'm a social media influencer and I do my thing, you know, a couple of nights off, a couple of weeks off and they forget. Um, so you use silver nitrate and uh, or, or terracortrol or some kind of steroid cream to dampen down that uh, granulation so that the skin can then heal across. It's not a problem. It's a bit of a nuisance, but it's just something to recognize and treat accordingly with dressings. And that's something we would do and Vicky, the clinic nurse, would, would do. Uh, hypothyroid, we've done that one. Look at this. Bit of, bit of fun, bit of devilment. In your professional opinion, what is the best topping for pancakes? Hashtag pancake day. I hope you've all had pancakes. We've had pancakes. Um, I mean, what can I say? Lemon and sugar, isn't it? I mean, it's lemon and sugar is, is the obvious answer to that. Uh, having said that, I do quite like um, ham and cheese. Uh, and a savoury one uh, you know when um, John Lewis used to have that crepe bit do you remember when we used to go to the shops uh, John Lewis you had that had that crepe bit in um, Touchwood in Solihull um, I did like uh, you know I think a ham and cheese uh, pancake is actually a meal um, and uh, in fact I had a ham and cheese one tonight actually um, um, obviously it's bacon and meat or crepe affair as well, actually. Another going back back in the day when we used to go to restaurants and uh, I'm not sure if crepe affair is a restaurant, you know, outlets. Um, but uh, bake, bacon and maple syrup, a big favourite of the children. Um, but I guess lemon and sugar is, is, is you, can't, you can't beat it, can't beat it. But um, grateful for anyone else. <laughs> Should we open that up to the group? Um, Anyway, that is my last question there. Got through it two weeks off the horse. Uh, back on again. Good bit of interaction on Instagram. That's, I'm talking to you. And on Facebook, I'm talking to you. So that is very nice to, to have that. And um, a bit why you might have forgotten about me. Might come back and have a bit of tumbleweed, but no. Um, so, yeah, onwards and upwards. Keep yourself safe out there. Um, don't mingle and do whatever they say for this. Let's get rid of this awful coronavirus, or at least do what we can to to minimise the effects. And I will see you all same time, same place, right here, seven o'clock, Facebook Live next week, Instagram Live next week, and YouTube, I believe, live. Oh, here we go. Rachel's in with the last minute question. That's what we want. Is a second uplift just as painful? Oh, my God. Jackie's used a hashtag. I forgot about hashtag. <laughs> and not even asking a question as well. Thank you for the great Q&A. Um, 
So Rachel, is a second uplift just as painful? Um, um, well, the first uplift, I think you said uplift an implant, did you, Rachel? So if you had an uplift and implant for first time, that's actually quite tight because you're using an implants and an uplift. If so, if you're not going significantly bigger and you're staying around the same size, um, then it might be a bit less painful. An uplift <coughs> isn't usually a painful procedure. Tight, yes. Uncomfortable, yes. But usually not too painful. So I hope it won't be too painful. Uh, but if it is with a new implant, but the implants are similar sort of size, you know, obviously first time you were going fresh with an implant. So it would have been really tight because you do an uplift, it makes it tight. And then you put an implant, it makes it tight. If you're just changing implant of a similar sort of size, then it might not be under a significant amount more of tension. So let's be positive, Rachel. Let's just say it's hopefully it's going to be less painful. Um, you know, let's be positive. It might be of a similar pain, but hopefully, um, as I say, it's not usually that painful even first time around. So the fact you're asking the question makes me think maybe you had a bad experience first time. My private journey. Thank you. Hopefully you will come and see me soon. Clinics open. I'm back on the track, back on the horse. Well, next week anyway, because it's half term this week. I'm doing some operating this week, but um, yeah, next week. And so be good to see you. Love to see how you're getting on, how that belly button's getting on. So, um, good. That's me. I'm out. And I better go and watch the film. I missed half of it. But uh, see if I can pick it up. If you have any questions, please feel free to question to ask me or message me on instagram or on facebook rachel thank you for your questions everybody thank you for your input and i'll see you at tuesday night at 7 p.m next week signing off stop the stream and uh how do we stop this one <laughs> have a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag Ask JJ. We'd love to hear from you.